glad that you're listening to this podcast. This podcast is a ministry of the Bonners Ferry Baptist Church and of Pastor Devin Neal. Reading of God's Word, Matthew chapter 5, beginning in verse 33. He says, Again, ye have heard that it hath been said by them of old time, Thou shalt not forswear thyself, but shalt perform unto the Lord thine oaths. So the idea is, you've heard it said, don't swear out into the future. Be sure that you, if you say you're going to do something, you have the ability to do it. If you're going to swear, make sure you can, but don't swear forward. Verse 34, he says, but I say unto you, swear not at all, neither by heaven, for it is God's throne, nor by the earth, for it is his footstool, neither by Jerusalem, for it is the city of the great king, neither shalt thou swear by thy head, because thou canst not make one hair White or black, verse 37, but let your communication be yea, yea, nay, nay. For whatsoever is more than these cometh of evil. Let's try to retain that in our mind. Go to James chapter 5, James chapter 5, and we'll read just verse 12. It is a kind of a standalone verse as James is concluding his thoughts to those he's writing to. He had taken much of chapter 3 to deal with the tongue and its problems and uh, the need in addressing how we use our tongue in chapter 3. But here in verse 12, he's going to come back to the tongue again. He says, But above all things, my brethren, swear not, neither by heaven, neither by the earth, neither by any other oath, but let your yea be yea and your nay nay, lest ye fall into condemnation. Thank you. You may be seated. We're going to, as I said, focus on verse 12 and give you four things out of this one verse that are, again, simple. Um, I, I, I want to begin at what is at the beginning of verse 12, and that is the statement, but above all things. That ought to catch our attention. When God says, above all things, we need to perk up and pay attention. So when that phrase is used, it's, I've said a lot of things to you, but above it all, I want you to pay attention to what I'm saying now. If that weren't there, I might, I might minimize this verse. I mean, how important is it that you don't go around giving oaths all the time? The Bible warns us about making vows to God. Ecclesiastes chapter 5 says it's better not to vow a vow than to vow it and not keep it. You'd be better not to make some vow to, to commit yourself to something openly, verbally to the Lord than to do so and then not follow through. And I think we need to bear that in mind. Uh, many times when we are forswearing what we're doing, it's similar to going into indebtedness. We are wanting the benefit of credibility or trust in the moment without having earned it. When we forswear ourselves, we, when we say, well, I'm going to do something and I'm willing to lay my hand on the Bible to do it, instead of building a name of credibility with people through, through being faithful to our word, we're trying to use our words to get them to trust us when we've not built that trust. Does that make sense? We're trying to get trust that is not properly earned, and that is shortcutting a system, and it's going to get us in trouble, and that's what the Bible's saying. It seems to me when James is saying this, he says, but above all things, my brethren, we'll just start there. He's putting a priority on the statement he's about to make. And it seems to me what he's dealing with is all these things I've told you about your conduct. And James gave some very straightforward, firm instruction 
to the believers he wrote to about uh, conduct and about enduring hardness and uh, enduring temptations. James chapter 1, that we are to... Uh, we are to count it all joy when we fall into diverse temptations. We're to have faith that is demonstrated by works, James chapter 2. James chapter 3, we're to govern and rule our tongues. In James 4, we're not to be uh, in, in, a, in, a, in, a, in an adulterous affection with the world. And all the things that are mentioned there, we're to submit to God and be humble. But the fact is, if we've got all that in place and we destroy our credibility by being dishonest people, what good is all that? If the world knows they can't trust us, the Bible says of a bishop that we must have a good name with them that are without. We preached this morning about the error of seeking a reputation with men over righteousness. We get in trouble when we live for what men think of us rather than what is right in the sight of God. But let's not confuse having a good name with a good reputation. You realize you and I can build a reputation with men by tricking people. You can build an image online that's not consistent with reality and people think you're just wonderful. They think you're the best thing since, you know, sliced bread. And then they get to know you and realize, oh, you're not what you appear to be. You and I can do that in the business world. We can put on an appearance that's not reality. But the Bible says in Proverbs 22, verse 1, a good name is rather to be chosen than great riches and loving favor than silver and gold. If there's one thing, and, and I think both messages today, and it's, a, it's an afterthought, not a forethought, But it seems to me both messages today kind of lay some groundwork for what I believe the Lord would have us make a priority for this church as we move forward in God's will and doing what God has put us here to do. If you said, Pastor, what is the most important thing as it relates to our community? If you want the community to have a mind about the church and what the community's attitude toward this church is, what would it be? There's one thing I long for, and that is that those around us would know if you want the truth, you can go there. You can go to that church, and whether it's the pastor in the pulpit, I don't want to relegate it simply to the pulpit ministry, whether it's the pastor in the pulpit or the member of that church that I work with on a daily basis, I would hope and pray that the church would have a good name, that folks around us would know, you may not like that church, but you can trust those people. They are people that do what they say they'll do. They are people that are honest and honorable, that we would represent our God faithfully in how we conduct ourselves with those around us. And so much of that is going to be based on our word and how we keep our word. You know, as well as I do, if someone is constantly saying one thing and doing another, you're not going to count on them for much, are you? The Bible says confidence in an unfaithful man is like a broken tooth and a foot out of joint. No good to go to somebody that you need to tell you the truth and they simply tell you whatever you want to hear or tell you a lie or whatever it may be. And so James, again, by the Spirit of God, is putting a priority on this statement and he puts a priority on it, I think, because we might have the tendency to say, well, that's important, but... No, he says, but above all things, my brethren, above all things. And so we understand, just a couple of things in this priority, who this is a priority to, it's to the brethren. This is speaking to Christians. So that's where I say this has to do with our testimony. This hasn't to do with the way of salvation. This has to do with the way we live because we're saved. It's to brethren. And then we see that it is an above all things type thing. It is a priority. And so we see who it's addressed to. And then we see the level of importance it carries when he uses the words above all things. And we come into the heart of this verse when he says, but above all things, my brethren, then we come to a prohibition. So there's the priority in this statement. Then there's a prohibition in this statement. Swear not. Swear not. Neither by heaven... Neither by the earth, 
neither by any other oath. I'll tell you a tale on myself. I have enjoyed teasing uh, those that I love the most, most of my life, telling a joke, tricking. I was a trickster as a boy with my mom, my dad, little pranks and tricks, to the point that I would joke so much, I would tease my wife when we first got married, and she didn't know whether or not I was teasing or telling the truth. There came a point the Lord began to deal with me, and said, well, you may be doing it in jest, but it's, it's turning into something worse than that. Because I would find myself doing this. She would say, is that true, Nevin? Is that true? Because I would tease her and say, you know, something happened today, and ha-ha, tease her. You know. She's not true, and I would find myself, I promise, it's true, I promise. And I had to say it all the time so I could clarify the difference between when I was joking and when I was serious. And you may laugh at me and laugh with me, but there came a point I thought, I can't keep doing that. I'm teasing enough that it's foolishness, and I, my own wife can't tell if I'm telling her the truth or pulling her leg, and if I'm having to constantly say, I promise you what I'm doing, I swear, not good, not good. It's not a good thing. And even though in jest, it turned into something that the Lord had to speak to me about. Say, no, it hurts your credibility. In the prohibition, there's simplicity in this. How hard is it to understand swear not? Swear not. I read a couple of commentators today. I personally don't agree with them. They said, swear not, except for in these exceptions where it's in a formal setting. And for me personally, for me personally, I've had to sign some papers at times. Do you swear if it doesn't say or affirm, I prefer that language. This is not legal code. It's principle. I get that. But I don't believe that we should have to, as I said, lay our hand on a Bible. We should establish the kind of credibility, whether there's something that is going to hold us accountable. I've got a question for you. Can you lay your hand on this Bible and still lie? People do it all the time in court. All the time. So unless you have the God of the Bible in your heart, it doesn't matter. And if you do, you don't really need the physical Bible to hold you accountable. You have the author to do it already. And there's a prohibition made. Don't swear. Don't go around using your words to make yourself seem honest when you're not. If you do not already have enough conviction to tell the truth without swearing and naming something to hold you accountable, I swear by the moon. What you're saying because the moon will be there when I'm gone. I'm going to swear by the moon. Is the moon able to hold you accountable to tell the truth? All it is is verbal, it is verbal charades to make myself seem like I'm committed to the truth when in reality I'm not, or I wouldn't say it in the first place. That's the exact point our Lord and Savior is making in Matthew chapter 5. He said, you've heard it said, thou shalt not forswear yourself. Don't, by the way, Proverbs 28, I believe it is, verse 1 says, boast not thyself of tomorrow, for thou knowest not what a day may bring forth. The James warns us. He says, don't say. He said, some are saying I'm going to go into this city and buy and sell and get gain and continue a year. He said, don't say that. That's presumptuous. You're presuming you'll be there in a year. Say this, if the Lord will, I'll do this or I'll do that. Are we not bad to say, I will do this? And I believe God's calling us into account to remind, to be reminded that we are limited to today. We have no guarantee of tomorrow. <laughs> Truth? We are not in control of the heavens. That's where God's in control. That's why it says the heaven is his, heavens are his throne. Heaven is his throne. Don't swear by heaven. God's in control of heaven. Don't swear by the earth. That's his footstool. You're not in control of heaven or earth. So don't swear by those things. And don't swear by your head. You're not even in control of your own head. My lack of hair shows that. Yes. You can't make one hair black or white. Your hair does what it will. What God is saying is don't swear by those things. Stay inside of what you have power over. And that is 
Give your word when you know you can keep it and don't when you don't. A prohibition is made. Don't go around swearing. Don't give an affirmation or a, the indication, I will do something that you don't have power to guarantee. I believe we get in trouble with this in finances many times. We swear forward, I will do this. Well, you can say, I will, Lord willing, to the best of my ability. But to say with affirmation, I am certain I'm going to do this, is really stepping beyond our power. Yes? I should maybe go through that one again. We learn to do that because we we want certain things today. And again, there's a prohibition. It's very clear. It's simple. Swear not. Neither by heaven, neither by the earth, neither by any other oath. I believe the language is that clear to help us understand. God doesn't want you swearing. How many of you ever heard somebody use the term, so-and-so is using profanity? And what we think by that is we think we confuse profanity with filthiness. There are people who use filthy language. They do. They talk about filthy things. We don't need to hear that. We don't need to, we don't need to do that. You know what the word profane means? Without respect for holy things. No respect for the holy. Esau was a profane man, and the description of that is this, that he sold his birthright, something of eternal value that would allow him to be in the lineage of Jesus Christ. He sold it for a morsel of bread, meaning he had absolutely no value of eternal things or holy things. And when we swear by heaven and by earth, what God is saying is that is, that's profane. We are profaning the name of God by using it lightly and saying, I swear by the God of heaven, I'll do, I'll be honest with you, I believe we profane God's name by swearing by Bibles in court. That's my personal belief. Because nine times out of ten, the person that lays their hand on that Bible, we've had some men take the oath of office for the President of the United States who care not any one bit for the God of this Bible. They don't even believe he exists. Now, they're laying their hand on that Bible, you and I both know, doesn't make them any more truthful than they were the day before. See what it does? It makes God look like he's non-existent and nothing more than a name to throw around to make you look like you're a good person. That's what God's dealing with. The Pharisees, as I understand, were known for swearing by the, the temple. and swear, But you would swear by those things so you could get out of it if you didn't, weren't able to keep your word. You swore in the moment to get the, event, the benefit of credibility but the forgiveness or the, the out if you did not keep your word. And Jesus is rebuking in, his, in, in Matthew 5, he is rebuking the profaning of God's good name by swearing. The Old Testament commanded you should, that you shall swear, thou shalt swear by the name of the Lord and not profane his name, meaning you, you give your word knowing that it's God himself who's going to hold you accountable. So when you and I start swearing this and swearing that and promising this and promising that, we are, we are diminishing the importance of being true and faithful in the sight of a holy God, and it profanes his name. You ever heard somebody use the, the term by, and they use God's name? Some people say by Jove, J-O-V-E, you know what they're saying, by Jehovah. We, we don't use the, the terminology by God. I'll do, you know what that is? It's profaning God's name. It is lightly using God's name without any intention of him holding you accountable. It's just saying it to make it seem like I'm a person that is a keeper of my word. So the simplicity is swear not at all. Just don't swear at all. Don't give a promise. I will this. I will that. I believe this when it comes to vows, even between a husband and wife. I like, will you understand, acknowledge your accountability to God? And it's yes or no. I mean, is that not what I do is? Or I will, it's I affirm, yes. And you know what that should mean? Yes. Not yes unless. 
Those are promises given in the sight of God. I believe these words tonight. If, if every young person that's going into marriage would say, okay, if I say I will take that woman to be my lawfully wedded wife from this day forward till death us do part, my yea is yea. And if it can't be yea, then let it be nay. But don't give the impression I'm going to with the intention of getting out and thinking there's no accountability before God. The simplicity is swear not. The specifics, not by heaven, not by earth. He covers all the bases. Jesus got more specific, not by Jerusalem, not by your head. That's why James says, not by any other oath. Don't, don't pick anything that seems to be greater than you to hold you accountable uh, other than God himself. What he's saying is you swear by Jerusalem, it's still God. It's his city. If you swear by your head, it's still God that's holding you accountable. He's the one created your head. So really there's nothing other than just between you and the Lord. You've got to understand it's the Lord that's hearing your words. It's the Lord that's going to hold you accountable. The Bible says we'll give an account for every idle word spoken. Every idle word spoken. And so then the simplicity, don't swear. The specifics, not by heaven, not by earth, nor any other oath. The significance is back to Matthew chapter 5 where we read, and we won't turn there and read it again. But again, all these things are the Lord's anyway. The significance is what you and I say is heard by the ears of the Lord, and whether or not we follow through is very important to him. So we've seen the priority of the statement above all my brethren, the prohibition, swear not, neither by heaven nor by earth nor by any other oath, and the Lord Jesus covered it in more detail in Matthew 5. The precept, though, so he tells us what not to do, but both of these texts tell us the same thing. They tell us what to do. There's a precept given or a principle given, but it's beyond principle. It is a precept. It says this, Jesus said, but let your speech be, let your communication be, yea, yea. Why do you say it twice? Meaning, if I say yea, it means yea. And if I say nay, it means Nay. In 1 Corinthians, I believe 2 Corinthians, the Bible says all the promises of God in Christ Jesus are yea and amen. Meaning if God tells you something through Christ Jesus, you can know that's exactly the way it is. You don't have to worry about God dialing back on you, changing his word. If God promised it, it's yours. And you know what? The character of God is supposed to be reflected in the way we live. People ought to know if I say this is what I'm going to do, it's what I'm going to do. You say, but sometimes things happen that are out of our control. I agree. That's why we need to be very careful in what we agree to. We need to be very careful. I'll be honest with you. The Lord has used this text in my life so many times because there's times I want to help people. I want to be a blessing to people. And I may be too swift to say, yes, I'll do. And not having the power to follow through, get in all kinds of trouble because I want to make them happy. I want to be a blessing, maybe sometimes even to a, a sincere motive and without thought of, am I capable of actually doing that? Say, well, sure, you bet, yeah. And then the yay all of a sudden becomes almost impossible if not. So I've learned and I still have to learn and think about, wait a minute, now can I follow through with what I'm going to say yes to? And if not, how many of you find it difficult to tell people No. Now, I've met some people have no problem telling people no. It's just easy. They, they, no, they like saying no. But I think a lot of times we have a difficult time telling each other no. But sometimes we have to. Not because we don't want to help, but because we know in ourselves, I can't do that. I'm incapable. I can't, if I told you yes, I would not be able to be honest and follow through. You see, we build trust by being and doing what we say we'll do. And trust is so valuable. I believe this. It may take, there are certain things today, I've watched in the last two years, certain opportunities 
in this community that this church has as far as witnessing to people, working with people, that I believe it has taken full 15 years to gain the trust of certain people, to just let us have their ear. And we could lose 15 years of trust in 15 minutes. Trust is so precious, hard to build and easy to lose. And I believe this entire instruction is about our credibility. And it is important, by the way, integrity equals credibility. And what Jesus is dealing with is integrity. We must be people of our word. If we say yea, let it be yea. That's the precept. So here's three things to consider. Our speech needs to be declarative. How many times are we indecisive? This is something that's that number one the Lord's had to deal with me about, but it seems to be something that's a bit of a problem in our culture. We don't want to lock in and commit ourselves to something. So we'll say something like, I could use our, our invitations to the chili supper. Do you think you'll come? Well, I'd hate to say yes for sure. So it's a no? Well, I might. You know what that is? I'm not going to lock into any position one way or another. I'm going to leave myself open to do what I want, change my mind at the last minute and not be locked into anything. You know, I believe that it is popular now for young people to shack up, live together in fornication. They don't want their ABA. They might find somebody else they like better. They might get five years into a relationship and think, I don't like this, so you know what? It's just better. Instead of making a vow and breaking it, I'll just be indecisive. I'll live with her until I get tired of her. And if I don't get tired with her, we'll live a little longer and see if we like marriage. If we do, maybe we'll get married someday. You know what marriage is? It's saying yay. That's what it is. It's me saying yay. I will be a, a one wife, one woman man committed to that woman right there. It's definitive. It's declarative. I am p- stating my position. You know what? You say to somebody, do you believe that the Bible is the perfect, infallible, perfect, preserved word of God? Yeah, yes, and then you, uh, three minutes of clarification. Look it, do we trust this Bible or not? Yay or nay? Shall we not be declarative? And if you don't trust it, say so. Say, no, I don't. I think there's problems in there, and I think it's wrong, and I don't like that verse, and I think that one. Just say so. What we want to do is walk a tightrope between yea and nay. You know what Jesus says? There's only two answers. Yes, I am. Yes, I believe this. Yes, I will. No, I won't. Let your speech be declarative. Let your yea be yea and your nay be nay, not mm. You're going to serve the Lord with your life? Mm. You submitted to God? I'll try to be. I'm not making fun of anybody. I'm just telling you where a lot of Christians live. Have you presented your body a living sacrifice? Mm. Maybe. You going to witness this week? I'll try. You praying? Not as much as I should. You with me? Let your yay be yay, nay be nay. Two answers. Yes, no. You love the Lord? Is that yes or no? We tracking tonight? The Lord says, no, here's the precept. Your speech needs to be declarative, it needs to be definitive, and it needs to be devoted. Meaning, when you've got to say yes or no, the Lord is going to say to the lost, I want to save you. Are you going to let me save you? You know what a lot of people say for years on end? Maybe tomorrow. 
Now help me here. When you say not today, you know what a person's really saying? No. Are you going to surrender your life to God and let him do whatever he wants with you? Well, I know I should say yes, and I swear one day I will. That's no. Right? It is. It's no. Uh, are you going to follow and obey this commandment in Scripture? A tree A B A, nay be nay. And by the way, if it's nay, stick with it. And if it's yea, stick with it. You know what? There's been times the Lord has taken me back to a civic auditorium in Winston-Salem, North Carolina, when I was 16, almost 17 years old, and reminded me on that night, Nevin, you said yes. You would let me do with your life whatever you whatever I wanted. Now, are you willing to recant that? Based on the authority of God's word, I have to say, nope. The yea is still yea. Isn't that what he's saying to us? Yea, yea. Not, well, yes today, no tomorrow. Yes today, no tomorrow. Indecisiveness is, is the fruit of mediocrity. Do you know what James calls this indecisiveness in chapter 4? Double-mindedness. James chapter 1, you know what he calls it? Double-mindedness. Today it's, yes, I'm going to serve the Lord. Tomorrow it's, no, it's too hard. That's double-minded. It's, yay, Lord, your way is right. Nay, it's too difficult. Yay, Lord, I'll serve him. Nay. No, none of that. Definitive, decisive, devoted. You know what that makes you do? Makes you think before you answer, doesn't it? I'll be honest with you, I, and don't misunderstand what I'm about to say. I would far see, rather see someone wrestle with a decision for a time and then come to a clear-cut decision than constantly make impulsive decisions they don't keep. I would. I'd rather see a lost person think about, do I really believe what the Bible says? Do I really believe I'm lost? And if I'm going to say yes to the Lord about this matter of salvation, I've got to, be, I've got to mean it because it's once for all. I'd rather see that than somebody's constantly pretending to believe the gospel when they really haven't yet. I'd rather see a Christian who says, I'm not sure if I present my body a living sacrifice, that means he's going to be able to do whatever he wants. And I don't want to tell him yes if I'm not meaning that than to be on the altar every other service changing their mind about whether or not they're going to serve God. Yay, yay. Nay, nay. Three things must be declarative, definitive, Devoted. Look at Psalm 15. Psalm 15. I used to hear a lot of preaching on this text. I don't hear it much anymore. It's a little bit too tight, I think, or too definitive for our world. Psalm 15, verse 1. Speaking of fellowship with God, Lord, who shall abide in thy tabernacle? Who shall dwell in thy holy hill? He that walketh uprightly and worketh righteousness and speaketh the truth in his heart. He that backbiteth not with his tongue, nor doeth evil to his neighbor, nor taketh up a reproach against his neighbor, in whose eyes a vile person is contemned, but he honoreth them that fear the Lord, he that sweareth to his own hurt, and changeth not. Meaning, I gave my word on something, and it's going to disadvantage me, but I'm still not going to change. I remember it was a reproof. I've known some saved men who want to give their word, and when they see it's a disadvantage to them, well, can I change that now? That's not good. That hurts our testimony. I knew a lost man one time, very lost, still lost to this day as far as I know. 
And I was going to have him do some work on my engine. He's a mechanic, and he gave me a quote. My memory is something like $375. He's going to repair the intake manifold on my, uh, on my Suburban years and years ago. Gave me a quote. Once he got in there, there was more work needed to be done than he anticipated. But he had given me a quote in writing or in, in verbal. I don't remember which. So we got there. He said, well, when I got in there, and I'm, I'm dreading the answer because I knew it was coming. I've dealt with mechanics and extra work. When I got in there, there was more to be done, and he explains what else he did. And he said, cost a little more than I thought, but I told you this was the price, and that is the price. And I paid him, and he did all my mechanic work from that day forward for years to come. You know why? He swore to his own hurt, a lost man, and didn't change at the last minute for his own benefit. You know what? The Bible says, don't swear. That's not, the, that's not what Psalm 15 is saying. It's the same spirit. If I give my word, I'll keep my word even to my own damage, even to my own detriment. How does that change our decision-making if we decide, I'm going to live my life that way? If I'm going to say yes, it means yes. That'll make you slow down a little bit. Think a little, pray a little before we make our decisions. Now, I believe this. I believe we want to be indecisive, unaccountable, and uncommitted in our flesh. And the Lord says, no, you give your word, you've got to keep it. And you're going to have to give your word. It's got to be yea or nay, and then let it be so. Sometimes we need to say no. If God has dealt with something in my life and it's a sin, and I say, no, that is not to be in my life. Don't change your mind tomorrow and say, well, it's okay today. It wasn't okay on Sunday, but by Tuesday it's all right now. Right? If it was wrong on Sunday under the preaching of the Bible, it's wrong on Tuesday when the Bible's not being preached. We'd do well to say, if God has said no to something in my life, I need to know. If it's no, it's no. Made up my mind years ago, I wasn't going to drink alcohol, and I've still made up my mind. Wine is still a mocker, strong drink is still raging. Whosoever is deceived thereby is still not wise. There was a decision, the answer to alcohol is no. That's still no. Doesn't matter how many so-called preachers are now preaching it's okay to sip a little. Shame on them. I'll just say that for a minute. Shame on the number of preachers. Some saying they're Baptist preachers who won't even crack the Bible open at Proverbs chapter 20 verse 1 because it's too plain of speech about alcohol that ought to be no, not yes today, no tomorrow. Shame on us as Christians for shifting our positions all over the map to adapt to our culture. Hey, if it was wrong in the first place, we said, yes, let us repent and now say no, but not yesterday, no tomorrow, yes the next day, no the next day. Definitive, devoted decisions that once we've spoken, unless it's a sin, that's the only thing I could find, if we've said yea to something that's sin, then obviously we need to repent, but then our nay needs to be nay. And so then, we could go on with examples, there's no need. The priority of the statement, above all things, my brethren, swear not, neither by heaven, neither by the earth, neither by any other oath. And I'm not talking about being stubborn and holding to a position that's unfaithful or untrue, nor is God. But you and I both know, and I will give no further explanation than that, we are too prone to let our yea be nay and our nay be yea unless we are under the direction of this kind of wisdom from God's word. And so then God wants us to be a people that are yea, yea, declarative, definitive, devoted speech. Fourthly and finally, the precaution in this it's interesting to me how it's worded differently in Matthew 5 and James 5. Turn back over to Matthew 5, 37, if you would, as we conclude tonight. Matthew chapter 5, verse 37. 
Jesus concluding his statement says, but let your communication be yay, yay. Undoubtedly, the instruction he's given, the practical wisdom and instruction he's given is in contrast to what the Pharisees would have instructed to be done. Obviously, there were people swearing by heaven, swearing by the, the... by earth, swearing by Jerusalem, swearing by their head. And he said, don't do that. Just yay, yay, nay, nay. Then he says this, for whatsoever is more than these, if it's more than a simple yes, and then that's the answer, yes. Or no, and then that's the answer, no. Whatsoever is more than these cometh of evil. Meaning the swearing about everything to, to indicate you are so concerned about keeping your word, you're willing to swear by some great thing, it's rooted in evil. Behind that, you have an evil intention. It's almost as though, and I don't know if it's even almost, but altogether as though he's saying you are already intending not to keep your word. That's why you said it. I swore because I'm not intending to do what I said. I'm going to touch finances again tonight. The Bible cautions us strongly against co-signing. The Bible calls it um, striking hands. We're not to co-sign for people. Proverbs 6 says if you've done it, you go make it surety is the Bible word. Sureties for debts. When someone wants you to co-sign, you know what they're telling you? I'm not going to pay my debt, and I want you to co-sign so you'll pay it because I'm not intending to. Say, no, no, they co-sign because they intend to pay it. No, 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 no. They intend to use you to pay it. And God says you'll not only lose your money and perhaps your bed, you'll lose your friend all at the same time. And it's along the same signs. When you strike hands and co-sign, you're saying, I promise I'll pay their debt if they don't. Now, how, how much guarantee do you have you can do that? By the way, I'll not be bashful on this. The Bible's instruction on co-signing is strictly forbidden. Don't do it. It's foolish. Don't do it. Now, by the way, it's one of the reasons I'm so strongly opposed against the church going into debt. I don't know how church is going to debt without co-signing. I'm against debt altogether, but especially for a church. How do you get doing that without getting someone else to say when they default, I'll follow? The idea is there's already a plan to default, or at least if not the plan, the allowance. You guys my co-signing, they already don't have enough credibility to pay their own debts. The chances of them defaulting are extremely high. After you sign the lie, they just the line they just doubled because <laughs> they say, well, I'm not going to be responsible for it anyway. So whatsoever is more than these, yea and nay, cometh of evil. Jesus said, if you are doing more than just simply being purposed to keep your word because the God of heaven, the God of the earth, the God of Jerusalem, the God of your head sees your words and can hold you accountable. If it's more than that, behind it, there's an evil intention somewhere. It's rooted in evil to go beyond this. And not only is there an evil root, there are evil results. James, under the Spirit of God, words it differently. Jesus said, what service more than these cometh of evil? James says this, Uh, neither by uh, any other oath, but let your yea be yea and your nay nay, lest ye fall into condemnation. He said, Jesus said, it comes, it proceeds out of evil, and James says, it ends in evil. You're going to get in trouble. You're going to end up condemned. One of the things God tells us to be as Christians is blameless. And I believe this condemnation has to do with us getting in trouble, even in a civil sense or in a, communal sense, this idea of the condemnation is not going to hell. The idea is there's going to be, you're going to be judged. You're going to get in trouble and you're going to be judged as errant if you let more than this be, just let your yay be yay and your nay be nay. We might call it living inside your means. That's how we say it in finances, but it's not just about finances. It's about every facet of our life. 
don't swear beyond yourself or you're going to end up being judged. You're going to end up in condemnation. And the Lord doesn't want that. And so then, I believe condemnation, that word is used often not only of the condemnation of the lost who go to hell. In 1 Corinthians, it's used of the chastisement of the saved. If we go beyond this and begin swearing and promising and and taking lightly our responsibility to be honest in the sight of the Lord with our words, it's going to get us in trouble with God and man. And so then, it's right after this James gets into, is any among you afflicted? What's he just said? Lest you fall into condemnation. Is any among you afflicted? Let him pray. Is any merry? Let him sing psalms. Is any sick among you? Remember in 1 Corinthians 11, some were sleeping and some were sick. Seems to me some perhaps had already fallen into condemnation. And he says, any sick? Uh, talks about let them uh, call for the elders of the church and let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer of faith shall save the sick and the Lord shall raise him up. And if he have committed sins, they shall be forgiven him. Confess your faults one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. The effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. That's why I believe it's in the context the condemnation there can deal with chastisement from God in our lives because we get ourselves into sin with our mouths. The Bible says the fool, his, his mouth gets him into sin. We'd be very wise to think much before we say, yay, yes, I can do that. I remember one time, I'll go back a number of years ago, I was working in a secular job in the turf care industry, and that time it was on a golf course, and I had a coworker, and he wanted to go into a joint partnership, a business venture, not a big business venture, a little after-work side jobs. And he says, you and I could get together and do this job together. And initially I thought, hey, yeah, a little bit of, little bit of work after work, a little few extra dollars wouldn't hurt a bit. And I said, well, let me think about it. Thankfully I didn't say, you bet. <laughs> yeah. And I no sooner thought about that, went home, and this man was undoubtedly an unbeliever. I tried to witness to him. He was a rejecter of the gospel. And the Bible reminded me, the Lord reminded me through the Bible, not to be unequally yoked together with unbelievers. Now, all I can say, I'm sure there's bad examples in my life, and I often don't want to use my own life as an example. But in that instance, I'm glad the Holy Spirit gave me pause to say, don't you say yes yet. What if I said, yay, I'll do it. We'll do it. Let's go in it together. Then all of a sudden, i got to say, mm, nay, I've lost my testimony. And, and by, I'm sure in my life, I've not applied this verse at times. And we could sit here and you could and think, oh, I can think of a time I did not follow this principle, didn't follow that precept, and you would have got you into trouble, gets us into trouble. And so may God help us to let our speech be declarative, yes or no, definitive, yea, yea, nay, nay. And what is yea? Let it be yea. What is nay? Let it be nay. And let us think before we speak, whether we're speaking in response to the Lord but especially when we speak in response to each other, that our communication be along these lines, not promising to do this or promising to do that or swearing this way or that. Just let our yea be yea and our nay be nay. Mm-hmm.